0: This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories.
1: Hello, welcome everybody to the We Are Curious podcast. <laughs> we've, not, <laughs> we've not even agreed on the name yet, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I mean, it sounds interesting, so... Um, the whole goal is to do a uh, Jorogan SQ uh, slash All In Podcast SQ. We're not stealing the ideas. Uh, pretty much just think whatever they're doing. they are appreciating it right. what they do. Exactly. So yeah. why not do it and do it um, better? And for our contexts. I mean, yeah. not everyone gives a damn about Sparks. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, consider
2: this like a mini clubhouse sort <clears throat> of experience where we just form a... a a chat room, and we just discuss things that make sense or affect us uh, on a weekly basis. Yeah?
0: yeah. Basically, just a bunch of guys discussing things, that's it. And yep. ladies, too.
2: And ladies, we'll too. Have ladies, ladies too. too. I mean, yeah, affirmative action. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I, I think to get started, uh, just some introduction. My name is Eric Jackson, um, startup founder, co-founder uh i'm interested in aviation all things uh investment uh pro-african so obviously uh just here to see uh, my fellow kenyan african startups win Uh, so i'm all for that experience
1: yeah um my name is eric uh as well a startup guy no less um heavily Um, interested in investment, technology, finance, and um, obviously very deeply passionate about uh, Africa and its transformation. I believe um, we have the ability to transform Africa within our lifetimes and um, how best we do this if we do not curate uh, narratives and stories around um, that uh, in whatever way and sense that we can. So yeah, that's me. Well, lastly, my name is Ali not another eric
0: <laughs> i'm a podcast guy so I, I basically host podcasts around startups with a growing interest in investments specifically investments opportunities both locally and abroad and i'm happy to be here
2: yeah so guys welcome uh I, I, just a spoiler there's one day that we are going to have three erics on the show so just just prepare <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, so I think th- today's discussion, we'll, we'll split it into three major um, sort of uh, geographical uh, looks or outlooks. So we'll, we'll look at Kenya, what's happening in Kenya, um, then look at Africa, uh, just have an Africa-wide discussion, and then look at the global, um, whatever is happening on the global scene. So obviously we'll start with, with, with Kenya because it affects our livelihood on a day-to-day. So, I think what we wanted to just touch on this week, again, this is not expert advice that we are giving out. We're just basically looking at uh, the current themes that are driving conversations both online and uh, obviously affecting our lives. So um, there's a lot uh, especially in regards to taxes uh, that's coming in that has come into effect in this month of January. So there's obviously the digital tax um, that has come into effect and. Uh, again, there's a lot of content uh, around that by experts who who dive deep into what the tax means for um, for you individual or your or your daily lives. And for me, I'd recommend you know listening out to the Ole Law podcast. It's on Anchor because he's had a session where he talks about the digital tax and how it will affect us. Uh, there's also the minimal uh, the min the minimum tax. Uh, Basically for businesses and SMEs, so I just want uh, you know my fellow um, uh, guests or hosts to just uh, share their views on both the taxes that are coming into effect, given that it's going to affect uh, our livelihoods, so to speak.
1: Um, <clears throat> I could go fast. I think the for me, from where I sit, I look at it in two lenses. Um, The very first lens is we could decide to look at it from a global company's perspective and then we can look at it from a local entity's perspective. Globally, I think this has been a trend across. Um, uh, France did it, 3% tax. Mm -hmm. Uh, The UK did it, 2%, I think. Italy as well. And pretty much the sense is American companies, uh, which are pretty much the pioneers of tech, Amazon, Netflix, Netflix. Google, Mm -hmm. Facebook, name it, have been minting a lot of money within those entities, but paying very, very minimal taxes. And so when you look at it at that lens, I think um, what the Kenyan government through KRA and subsequent legislation has pretty much been trying to do is try and see how we can bring, um, we can bring in on those companies because indeed they are making a lot of money uh, locally. Um, So that's just one layer of it then the second layer of it is um there has been calls towards widening the tax bracket uh since time immemorial because we have such a very small tax bracket locally that uh, or rather such a small tax group that pays taxes locally and how do we expand that so the first calls were around bringing the informal sector um mm-hmm. into into towards tax payment but then that has seemingly not been a successful but it's done well um so we increased sales fees and we market fees and increased um, uh, license fees and all that and uh, through uh, by adding a tax component on top of that and that had a good desired effect however would the government in my opinion would be very naive to not understand that technology is growing and not work towards bringing um, all those small businesses that are taking place online so just that's a good of it mm-hmm. however I just think um, the manner in which uh, or the timing of implementation of it is a bit suspect and quite off. And why do I say this? Um, Smack in the middle of a virus, um, an economy that is heavily, heavily damaged um, from by the virus, obviously, debt, um, and of course, inflation is still very, very, very well maintained by the central bank. But then, obviously, we run that risk. So I feel the timing of introducing that tax, uh, particularly for local companies, um, is quite suspect. And mind you, um, they pay that tax and they still have to pay the minimum tax and they still have to pay VAT and they still, I mean, that just shoots the cost of doing business so high, it no longer makes any sense for me. So when I think about it, I see the positive side of it, but I also see um, subsequent challenges of implementing that, that that tax, both the minimum tax and the digital service tax. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like I'd go with Eric here. there's, there's a time when small businesses are actually transitioning online, where we are not more of an online native country as as compared to our developed counterparts. And combining those two taxes is just ill timed, especially at a time when businesses are already suffering, and. I would argue that the future of um, employment in Kenya is among the small businesses you know the the small food, small businesses around the food sector doing delivery, the border guys and everyone that is trying to to move there so putting or rather introducing the minimum tax uh, the the digital tax and in as much as in paper we have or rather we rank really well in ease of doing businesses, it doesn't quite translate on the ground so it's just At the moment it acts more as an unnecessary hurdle as compared to um a cash cow yeah
2: Uh, and i think we we both mentioned um a big issue which is obviously the informal sector because i think um said what they now have 4.5 million um, taxpayers registered but again out of that only close to half i think uh, pay taxes because again out of all that many people declare nil so uh, i feel like for me the the problem with uh with that is um the government hasn't really figured out how to get uh, the informal sector to you know uh, be uh, tax paying so now um, they resort to you know looking at now incremental tax to the people who are already uh, you know uh, paying taxes yeah so uh, there's that burden that um, you have to pay vat and obviously digital tax um, the big um, marketplaces digital marketplaces that have been targeted the netflix they're going to pass that cost to the consumer at the end of the day because they're not going to bear that for the government so uh, it it adds to an already burdened people uh, given that again the covid uh, measures that were to, to in, uh, sort of insulate um, people against. Uh, paying taxes, like um, I think those reduction in the income taxes, the two percent reduction in, in VAT have all been reverted. Mm-hmm. So if you look at that, and then now say you are running again a business and it's a loss-making business, and now
1: again you have to pay the government minimum tax, it just becomes too much. Absolutely, to be honest. absolutely. And I think I, I understand where the government is coming from. Um, you 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 have run away debt um that is coming to maturation quite soon um so that needs to be offset in one way or another in general actually um, in we January, start paying for sgr, for the SGR is yeah. yeah um and 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 at the same time you have uh you you do not have much money you do not have enough buffer Uh, whether it's through fiscal policy or even monetary policy. Mm -hmm. And so the only one way you can be able to raise uh, revenue as a government um, is increasing taxes. They do have um, the chance and the opportunity to suspend a bunch of those projects. But then again, it's a catch-22 because once you suspend a bunch of those projects, then um, you risk... Because I feel like the Kenyan government is heavily intertwined with the private sector. So government spending is whatever drives private sector growth. And so when you have that um, government suspending a lot of the projects um, that in which uh, they undertaken, which part of that money ends up reaching the private sector in whatever way, in one way, in one shape or form, then um, you essentially have an economy that um, is stagnant. You risk um, stagflation, Mm -hmm. so to say. And so when I think about it um, in that lens, I understand what they're trying to do, but I think um, it needs to be a bit measured and a bit um a bit well thought out. Some of these taxes can be delayed to later periods and, and, and later times in the year and indeed government can suspend majority of those massive infrastructure projects. Um, and I know I did mention a bit on debt and potentially we'll discuss that in a later date. Um, mm-hmm. When you think of the debt question in Kenya, I also find it to be, um and I'm not taking the government side here, but then the government did borrow quite significant amounts, billions and billions of dollars. Um, But then did that money actually get uh, to be placed into good use? Absolutely. Uh, Roads, infrastructure has been quite massive across the entire continent. I I mean, across the entire country. Um, Counties, remittances to counties and all those projects. So when you think about it from that lens, then yes, indeed, government has done, um, borrowed to do something. But then my only problem is at what cost? Um, We potentially had... The chance at getting cheaper debt um, and not put ourselves in this spiral or in this situation that we're in, um, but then again, that's that's to be seen. That's to be seen.
0: Okay. I feel like I feel like the whole conversation around debt again circles back to how our how our budget is allocated, and rather when when you look at the amount of money that Kenya Kenya already spends. On say um, salaries, for example, mm-hmm. I feel like recurrent expenditures. Re- recurrent expenditures. If you sector. draw that, yeah. it's 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 already it's already quite quite a lot. So I feel like yeah. I feel like our problem will start ending when we find ways in which we can grow the private sector to a point that it can employ way more people compared to the government, such that that will offset the amount of money we spend on recurrent expenditures including salaries yeah. otherwise it's just going to be a back and forth where um, the, government, the government borrows money and then it sort of channels to the private sector and then we, we need taxes and, and all that
2: yeah uh, but, but then in the middle of all that uh, I think World Bank re- released a report uh, this, this week saying um kenya's economy is, is is going to grow the fastest in Africa at about six point nine percent which when you look at i think last year's growth was uh, should be one point eight uh, percent uh, i'm wondering um how do you f- from your own sort of uh, perspective or thoughts uh, do you see us growing at six point nine percent in twenty twenty one given that um Covid, you know, uh, the lockdowns have been extended to March, so that means Q1 businesses are still going to be hit uh, by revenues. Uh, There's still more taxation and all of that. So, do we do we really foresee us growing at six point nine percent this year?
0: I f- I feel like that was, that was quite a little bit a little bit optimistic yeah. for World Bank, and I feel like. Our economy might grow faster than it did last year, but we might not get to 6.9 or 6.4 as we projected again, given um, the recovery from Mm COVID-19, given the mass layoffs in which we had in 2019 before COVID-19 and in 2020 during the pandemic. So I'm not with World Bank
1: there. I I share your sentiments. I think it's quite optimistic as well. and a recovery, an economic recovery notwithstanding. I think uh, my, my worry is the government um, So will run out of tools, both fiscal and monetary, um, to support the economy. Like, that's just my biggest worry. And I think um, that number is a bit optimistic. And I did go through the, the report by the World Bank um, and, and some of the measures that they were. I mean, it's a lot of, it's a huge, huge massive bet on recovery of the economy. Um, and I I don't see it, I don't see it, especially particularly with those taxes, I, I don't see it yeah. happening.
2: Yeah, because again, if you look at the recovery, it, it has to be driven by specific sectors, yeah. so manufacturing is not, because we are not yet there, and not much has changed yet. Um, you look at the banking industry, and uh, it's not looking good. Yeah, non performing loans are um, through the roof. So, so, you know, you look at where that growth is going to come from, um, maybe agriculture again. It's, we, it's,
1: we run a risk of drought Yeah, it's, it's, of drought it's still weather locusts. dependent.
2: Yep. So th- there's 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 a lot of good things that need to happen yeah. for us to actually get to s- that 6.9. But 100%. you know, um, we are all for recovery. But yeah. I, I think that's 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 on the optimistic yeah. uh, or side.
1: It's either that happens or um, government just decides to open its passes and spend spend as much as possible <laughs> but then um <laughs> government will spend and pay back with what i mean exactly. just think about it I'm not, I'm
0: not so sure we're at the point where the government can, make can it you rent. can make it, yeah yeah
1: they don't they don't have that opportunity as well yeah. if um the payments to small business owners uh till now for majority of projects i mean like the school that you see if, if if you are keen on having an economic recovery um and that is government driven because again, like we say, the government spending and private sector growth are heavily intertwined. I think um, right now, uh, the government would be splurging on um, healthcare related projects, building hospitals, because you get to hire as many people as possible. And that was Jubilee's rationale um, mm-hmm. in the second term with the big four project is, we do affordable housing projects, then we can be able to employ millions and millions of people in the informal sector, mm-hmm. um, and, and they will have money, so yeah. we would have done that with healthcare, built thousands of hospitals, thousands of schools, and I honestly don't think that we have, would have spent uh, more than half a billion dollars doing that, mm-hmm. but we won't. We haven't, and so um, I, I, I keep trying to look for pockets of growth um, in this entire narrative, and the the only, unless they're talking about a 6.9% uh, increment in overall, in average <laughs> growth, I don't see it. I don't yeah. see it anywhere else. So, um, that, but again, they know what they're talking about, perhaps. We yeah, yeah, obviously. What do know, we know? We, We're We farmers.
2: We are not saying, you know, we can do a better analysis than World Bank, but, right. um, well, as as On Kenyans the say, for ground it's yeah. it, it feels quite quite different and quite gloomy. Yeah. yeah, but but anyway, uh, we, we, we can just hope for uh, for 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 a better economic uh, performance uh, than it was
1: last year because I think last year was 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 very bad. And I think that's a perfect way to potentially segue into the next topic around yes. um, Africa. Continental free trade agreement yes does anyone else also struggle with that name <laughs> exactly just follow the, yeah a, f, no it's the crazy though like <sighs> a and then the small f and c f t a someone needs to tell dr Vera song that name needs
2: to come down <laughs> i mean follow the c f t a yeah anyway. so but uh but it, it's actually interesting because then um there's so uh, I think on first ju- on, on, on on first January you know uh, I think every president in Africa tweeted yeah. uh, you know the just the, the joy that um, we' actually starting to trade under the the agreement uh, I'm, going, I'm not going to say it in full because it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's hectic <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so so it's a good thing, but then again as as a startup running in Kenya as a small business in Kenya, you know you can't help but ask yourself, so what does this mean for me. Yeah. So there's this all grandiose plan, but you know, uh, at the core of it, what is it about? So um, we just thought we could just have that discussion about looking at uh, that trade agreement and what opportunities it would hold for businesses across the continent. Right. Yeah. Um. Okay.
1: Shit. Looks like I'll keep going fast. <laughs> 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 yeah. I think for me, yeah, I am. I am very, very excited about the opportunities that um, One Africa not just as uh, an economic block, um, mm-hmm. but then obviously hope that um, it will lead to faster movement of people and as a furiously pan-African uh, human being, person, um, I, I, I think um, opportunities abound. However, I do think for, for, for this agreement to work um, the way it's intentioned, um, three things, we need to fix three things. Right, and the first thing that uh, we seriously need to fix is on the supply side, right? Mm-hmm. And what do I mean by the supply side uh, chain things? So, assuming tomorrow part of the agreement states that um, leather goods can move across um, the entire continent um, without tariffs and without any tariffs and without any 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 blockades and taxes, right? Um, and potentially most of the leather comes from Ethiopia, Botswana, Namibia, and our, and a few other nations, right? And we do not have enough capacity um, to be able to meet that demand. Um, that, that, that 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 is resultant as a result, because again, goods are coming from Ethiopia, goods are coming from Namibia, goods are coming from wherever, and uh, moving to Nigeria and to Kenya and to all these other countries. Um, but then, the factories in Ethiopia and uh, cannot meet that demand. So then. What that leads is this situation they call a trade deflection because um, where I can import uh, potentially shoes from China or whatever else, come here, assemble them, or just do a bit of value addition and reexport them across without those blockades, right? Yeah. Without the, the same sort of like. So I feel like the core issue now is the ramping up of, um, of, of 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 that of that of, of sort of like that uh, production cycle, and I think. That should subsequently be followed by um, identification of, like, what sectors we might win um, or we might move faster. Technology might not transcend as quick as potentially manufacturing or agriculture. Mm -hmm. And so how do we ensure that that happens? So that's just the first issue. For me, the second thing is on payments. Um, African nations are... um, honestly how do i how do i put it uh severely invested in their local currencies and their local economies and Mm -hmm. um that just makes payments a nightmare and there's obviously all these you run uh, all these risks currency risks and the like and 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 so how we harmonize payments becomes then the biggest challenge for us um, around that around ensuring that we have this as a success and finally i think is governments across the the entire uh, continent Working well, other than is it Eritrea or Djibouti who's not signed Eritrea? Eritrea. Okay. So, governments across the entire uh spectrum now working extremely hard to harmonize and sign into low majority of those tenants that allow for the free movement of goods. Yeah. and I think that's one of the biggest things that uh, has come out of it. Like, yeah. whoa, we have this very opportunistic and this very optimistic thing, but then governments have not played their part, or mm. governments are being very sluggish in playing their part. So, we get that to happen. Um, I mean, we're onto the money, and we're to something very, very large. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think just before Mokaneno comes in, um, I think yeah, that
2: has been that has been like um, one of one of the things that one of the things that um, I I noticed when I was looking at you know just um, the trade agreement and the AU in the way it's structured, because um, you know uh, from from sort of an outsider view, you would expect. Um, the AU to be modelled in the same way that the European Union is, you know, because when you look at it, um, but the biggest difference that I've realised is that um, the African Union doesn't have that ability or um, mandate to actually um, pass these uh, agreements or anything into law. So at the end of the day, we are, again, dependent on each individual country, to actually assent to the law. While, you know, uh, in the EU is, uh, the EU has that power or it, it has that power to actually um, enter into an agreement on behalf of all the countries that are involved. So I think it's it, it's 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 something that um, obviously is, is a challenge, uh, especially for, because then at the end of the day, if we say we are lifting tariffs or we are enabling um, free movement of people, um, countries have to actually sign up and you know, assent to that, rather than you know, if the AU says um, we are lifting tariffs on all locally produced goods, then the next day that is actually done. So there's there's that challenge that um, obviously affects us um, in actually realizing the the trade agreement.
0: I think for me it's it's a query I'm more curious about rather more curious on how we're going to. Transition from status quo to trading under the Africa uh, continental free trade agreement, and um, my, my first concern is of course developing this one onerous standards across across fifty four fifty five states in the continent so mm-hmm. after we open up our borders for the movement of you know products services and, and, and people what are, can, can we then agree on a set standards that is going to allow the product to actually move on the ground. In as much as we've lowered both tariff and and non-tariff barriers, two there is going. I'm t- I'm also afraid of the. I'm also afraid of the opportunity cost of just lifting, um, tariff barriers barriers abruptly. How are we going to transition slowly to to a point where we do not actually have tariff barriers between between countries and still sort of reap the benefits without necessarily offsetting a few things that are working at the moment. You sound like a dangote. <laughs> <laughs> no. but, but I think
2: anyone who's done business across different countries in Africa has run into that same challenge. Absolutely. So um, it's extremely difficult to move physical goods. And once you've m- moved physical goods, uh, you get to that country and it's different policies, different payment system, um, just different stakeholders altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so yes, we've signed the agreement and all, but does that mean that, uh, let's say, for example, in countries like South Africa, where, where they have very strict um, laws against, you know, uh, people from other countries working there, does that mean today you can go to South Africa and apply for a job and you're given? No, it doesn't mean that because, uh, again, we s- still have to formulate specific policies that speak to such nitty gritties. Yeah. Uh, so yes, the agreement is now in effect but I, I believe that we really need to have a year or two of just very strong policy making to make sure that um, uh, all the countries are at least on board so that uh, when you're moving your goods and you're moving your services, you know, you can do that easily uh, with um, with confidence that you know, once you get your, your if it's cement from uh, Nigeria to Kenya, you're actually going to sell it to market yeah. at that
1: market rate with no uh not much yeah. restrictions yeah. yeah absolutely I hate to sound like a hot tip though, <laughs> but I'll say you know it's 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 amusing when you think about um the whole challenge of why African nations don't trade amongst themselves, yet they tend to do majority of their trade with their colonial masters uh, yeah. because all think Kenya does the most trade with the u k Um, you'll potentially find Uganda other than Kenya potentially Mm -hmm. does most trade with the UK Um, and and, and I find it a bit amusing because it boils back to the Berlin Conference of 18 uh, was it 1865 or 1885 whatever Mm -hmm. Um, and because one of the things that um, happened was a majority of Africans uh, were locked out of trading with um, with, 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 with other with other countries because, again, nations potentially found themselves under different rules, different colonial rules, that's mm-hmm. one. And then the second thing is this very racist and obviously colonial notion that um, Africans do not have the capability to produce goods at a, the very best and highest quality happened uh, in Kenya with uh, with milk, for instance um in in a book that speaks about um the happy valley i'm trying to i can't remember the name uh but they speak about such things um where local farmers were not allowed to for instance in uh the white islands in Yanara, uh to plant pyrethrum, or you're not allowed to keep dairy cows because apparently they didn't meet a certain standards and so what that just did is post-colonial um our standards or rather we didn't have the capability to we didn't have the best for instance uh breeds of cows that could produce more milk and that sort of like just put us in this loop where that never happened but then i feel now um it's not even about standards it's more on creation of this opportunity how do we level that playing field how do we mm. allow a small-scale trader in uganda to come sell their shoes here or sell whatever they manufacture their plastics their fertilizer um and 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 so when consistently when i think about that i'm so enamored and see how big an opportunity it is but I all need like you're saying a whole lot of work
0: there's, there's a whole lot of infrastructure that, that needs to come into place just yeah. to make sure that the benefits that we envision actually make it to the ground yeah. and i feel like i look at the trade agreement and i am certain that we will not reap the benefits in the next two or three years this is more of a long yeah. long term vision after of course we've set We've set in place all those I, again as
2: as you know um the trade agreement is one of the pillars of agenda 2063 so <laughs> i don't know why they called it agenda 2063 <laughs> i don't, you know, if part we, of that I don't know if we'll be alive around. in 2063 to make the benefits okay. but <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah. crazy that you know uh, yeah. we, we are looking at what that's 40, Forty-five
1: years away. Yeah. So it's it's crazy it's anyway. Crazy. And, uh, and it's interesting that uh, the second topic around Africa that uh, we have in there is fintech, yeah. and we 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 cannot understate how much of an impact tech, uh, and particularly te- uh, financial technology, has has played a role in being an enabler, a uh, level playing field. I mean, uh, right now, I can go onto my phone right now. Um, I'll go into Chipakash and I can send my friend in Nigeria mm-hmm. uh, 5,000 shillings. Uh, I don't know how much that would be in Naira. I mean, you know the, how the Naira is. I'm sorry, yeah. my Nigerian <laughs> bonus. Uh-huh. I beg, I'm still one of you. You're Robert huh So, I mean, now, when you think about it and such kind of capabilities or what Flutterwave has been able to do um, that are betting company, or even Africa stocking, for instance, that mm-hmm. a company can set up here and tomorrow you have Connections across the entire continent—that's um, just speaks of the capability—and so I'm obviously very expectant about uh, what is going to happen in fintech in Africa. But I would be very curious uh, to hear what Eric thinks. No, I'm actually I'm
2: actually sorry to say this, but um, I feel like I feel like the new uh, breed of companies and the new Africa-centric or Africa-first companies that are coming up um, are actually going to leapfrog most of the. Uh, Processes and decisions that you know, um, some things like you know, um, the brick and mortar organisations are trying to do. Because if you look at the way you've mentioned, companies like Flutterwave, we use Flutterwave here in Kenya. Uh, pff, you know, it's it's a Nigerian company. I I bet they've had lots of hurdles setting up in different countries across the continent. But the fact that it actually works seamlessly in in Kenya, and you know, I I feel. I feel good enough using that um, uh, the company. They have already broken that um, border, uh, you know, uh, that barrier that you know it's a Nigerian company and you can't do business with them. So I feel like we're going to see lots of tech-driven and tech-enabled companies that are just going to, you know, have that uh, ability to take over the continent and people use it across all the majority of countries uh, without issues. And I think that's going to, to change how people, you know, um, look at doing business in Africa, essentially. Because um, yes, it's a vast continent, different cultures, different payment systems, you know, all of that. But I feel that uh, there's a lot of validation that's happening that you can actually build um, your, car, your company in Kenya and actually scale it to 20, come c- countries, countries across yeah. Africa and do business and do business well and be successful yeah. so for me when uh, if anything that fintech has taught us last year is there's, there's actually hope for you know doing business across Africa and actually just relating to different people uh, because when you look at uh, your flataways uh, your pay stocks, your cheaper cash you know um, ever in, in in Uganda doing a lot of uh, good work Um from Kenya so there's there's these companies that are coming up with with uh, an identity of Africa, it's not an identity of a specific country. It's an identity of the entire Africa, and they speak to you know youth and. Um, people who are savvy mm-hmm. and you know you can relate to those companies and really
1: really feel proud so I'm excited to see what 2021 holds. So from a broader perspective I'll um, I to you from a broader perspective is that um, so I get what you're trying to say about um, sort of like these companies that are we or rather have lived over all the legal and regulatory BS mm-hmm. uh, to be able to build great companies but then from a model perspective is that also a resounding endorsement of um, the API place because uh, clearly, we've seen API-driven businesses raise significant amounts of money. Um, uh, I mean, um, uh, what are they called? Paystack just Pay got acquired yeah. for 200 mil. Yeah. Um, mono, Mono raised 500k. Precede. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have Okra <clears throat> raising a million dollars. Precede. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I mean, what do, what do you think of the API side as a, as a lever in fintech? <laughs> My only problem is. Don't try to build
2: a Tinder for Africa. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the whole for Africa, right. you know, uh, notation. Uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, is we have problems and we have companies that are actually solving those problems at scale. Because yeah. that's I, I think for me that's the biggest differentiator. So we've always have companies solving problems, but for very very niche markets, small markets. So if you were doing your, if you were setting up your startup in Kenya, your focus was Kenya. So you would spend um, five, six years and you're just focusing on Kenya and solving that problem well enough. But uh, the whole difference is people are actually looking at scale now. Because the same problem that's in, in Kenya is probably in 53, 54 African countries. Absolutely. So why you know why just focus yourself? to your, why, why are you limiting yourself to that country mm-hmm. instead of just looking at an Africa-wide um, perspective? And that's what I'm saying. Um, the identity of all these new tech companies is actually very good because um, so cheaper cash you know Yeah. Where I mean, where is it you know I mean, you can use it here can use you it can here. use it in TZ in yeah. UG in Nigeria. Nigeria so it's it's actually that that Africa-wide um, identity that I'm really, really proud about because um, we are building infrastructure that's crossing borders um, and actually just enabling people to come, you know, uh, and, and play uh, on top of the infrastructure that we've built. So something like uh, Africa's talking, what they've done with um, on their calls, SMS kind of things. Yes, it's the Twilio for Africa, sorry to say, but again, <laughs> yeah. they've already laid that, laid that infrastructure, infrastructure, so yeah. you don't really have to worry about, okay, so I have a few customers in Namibia, or um, I don't know, Nigeria, how are they going to use my product? Mm. You can basically set up, and f- from the onset, you're looking at Africa. So Flutterwave, ac- so um, in my current startup, Mediapal, we accept payments from Nigeria, Simply with Flutterwave. Mm. Uh, initially, I would have have gone to you know a bank, look for a bank in Nigeria, mm-hmm. or set up offices in Nigeria. I don't have to do that now. Yeah. Yeah. Get on Flutterwave. I can accept payments in
1: that dozens of countries yeah.
2: in Africa. Yeah. So you see, by them building that infrastructure, it's yeah. a, it's also again powering the next the next, next generation gen. yeah. of yeah. companies that are coming, yeah. because now those companies that are coming, they're not going to to one to figure out or try to wonder how you know they're going to pay, um, send messages, mm-hmm. uh, maybe do what? Manage customers yeah. in different countries. They're going to find infrastructure they're the already, already enabled. Yeah. So it's just going to be plug-in. So if you need a CRM that has connections across Africa. Just plug in if you need payments across Africa. Plug in yeah. if you need SMS across Africa. Plug in. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 really going to be um, to be a game changer, I think, Absolutely. and it's going to be to actually drive more more trade uh, and just more people doing mo- with uh, doing business across different countries in Africa yeah. than previously.
1: Do you see Flutterwave being a uh, potential, I, I want to hear both of views. do you see mm-hmm. them potentially getting acquired maybe for a billion dollars this year? <laughs> I mean, uh, here's my theory. Uh-huh. I think Chipakash <coughs> is going to be Africa's first proper unicorn, mm-hmm. forget Jumia. Mm-hmm. Like proper African builds, Africans at the helm, proper unicorn. Um, mm-hmm. They are on to something major. Um, I guess the next release is what's coming with the trading of cryptos and movements of cash. First unicorn, proper unicorn. Okay, proper like Jimmy is not our first proper unicorn. <laughs> inter switch though. Um, Why are you forgetting inter switch? In, Why does like everyone
2: inter switch is legacy? Here's though. my problem. <laughs> Why does everyone just brush out a
1: inter switch like they never existed? Inter switch and Cellulant for me, I feel. Are, are more legacy. They they were the pioneers, the, no less. Yeah, but if they, they if legacy. if if Interswitch started calling themselves fintechs early
2: enough, oh yeah, maybe you know people would. I but, feel like, I feel know. Like this
0: is a battle of definitions. <laughs> 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 they are
2: so disrespected in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but anyway. you see, but
1: you see, okay. So I feel Chipakasha is gonna hit that number. Uh, but then, in terms of acquisitions, I feel Flutterwave would be a perfect acquisition for anyone Visa, mm-hmm. Mastercard, Square, PayPal mm-hmm. even. Yeah, I don't know what what do you guys think? Do you see? What can I know?
2: What do you think? No,
0: you go first. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in in this whole conversation, I am more focused on on. Uh, the other the other side which is how will how will this free trade agreement mm-hmm. not only power african um, talent, and mm-hmm. african infrastructure but also power the finances that are going to you know fund the expansion and mm-hmm. fund the growth of african-centric companies yeah Ooh, but you a see a very very big question yeah, yeah. but you oh. see now as as we wait for
2: the trade agreement to get their policies in place we have Chipakash and Flataway who are just expanding <laughs> without caring about that to get yes because there's actually com- companies that are doing the legwork yeah. in all of these countries yeah. uh, to get um, policies on their side and everything. And again, what what you mentioned about um, Chipakash and all the likes. So it, it's interesting because I feel like the next, given the current um, crypto and everything, yeah. I feel like then then uh, the unicorn would come from that sector. Mm-hmm. More than the um, legacy fintech, which yes. is transfer money, uh, payments, and all of that, mm-hmm. because again, uh, the market caps for for, for for crypto is is going to explode. Yeah, I think so are you? Do you it's, have any? It's actually it's actually very interesting. No, no, okay. full disclosure. No, oh. <laughs> it's it's very interesting because Nigeria was the second biggest hub for. Uh, crypto trading. for crypto yeah. trading in the yeah. wild so yeah. it, it just shows you it's 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 crazy so um and i think that's that's still going to just, to just keep
1: going up, up, and and up and up and up, up. And up. You know, but you just said something very mm-hmm. interesting uh, and very fascinating about those businesses that um, we consider legacy and indeed their legacy because mm-hmm. I mean, switching is a very B2B boring component exactly. of financial technology, financial, yeah. right? But then um, what I'm more excited about is businesses that are building utility um so like you just stated with uh what cheaper has done for instance um and uh, enabling me to transfer money or even nala in mm-hmm. uh, tanzania allowing me to transfer yeah. money to a relative in the uk or a relative whatever in the world sending money to me right so that's what, just one level but then now you start to think about um crypto mm-hmm. crypto is gaining as much utility locally um as And when I say locally, I mean Africa because I, again, guys, I'm a citizen of this continent. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you think about uh, what that that capability presents with, uh, so it's not just a store of value. It's not Mm -hmm. just an investment, Mm -hmm. transfer of cash, and with markets with very, very volatile um, fiat currencies, such as Nigeria, again, my brothers, Mm -hmm. I know Godfrey, (laughs) a will not like me. (laughs) Anyway, um, so when you think about that, then the more utility you build around crypto, and the more companies build solutions around crypto, then it's going to be very very exciting to see what happens. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It
2: is mm-hmm. definitely definitely. And I'm just for me again. I said we we are all Pan African citizens here, so mm-hmm. we we are all for 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 the continent. You know, just thriving. And 2021 for me, you know, um, I I think the 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 most unifying day on african twitter if I, if, if I can call it that was the day uh paystack was was acquired oh yeah because yes. i think you could just see everyone across the continent. they were just like oh damn i can't believe this i'm like whoa 200 validation mil. i was like wow 200 million really something in nigeria like, like even in was, kenya like that was that was the highlight because you know you were just like whoa so you can build a company and in africa and actually just validate your idea and get acquired and like have a proper proper exit because you know we've been you know there's there's always been the ongoing discussions about you know um, funding going to whites being skewed to you know um, the white Mm. uh led or white founded companies especially in kenya Uh, i don't think we have that problem in nigeria and uh, most of the other markets but especially kenya so it was it was really like uh, an eye-opener and validation for uh, Someone like me who's a startup founder to just see that you can actually build your company, uh, do the work, and actually have the big boys yeah. um, noticing you, and even cheaper cash with uh, the Bezos uh, Expeditions yeah, investment. Really, yeah. That's that's like a big, that's it's like big a deal. big stamp of approval. Like you know what, guys, you're doing something amazing, and you know we we believe in your vision. So um, I think it's only going to get bigger mm. and better um, this year, because again. Lots of companies are solving um, problems, um, and they're actually now scaling. Yeah. So you're, you're talking about uh, the NALAs in, in TZ. Uh, you know, uh, there's lots of companies in Your Kenya. Yeah, MediaPal yeah, in, in Kenya. Uh, um, obviously, HISA with what we're doing with investments. Again, sorry guys, this is the last time I'm going to use this. We want to be the Robin Hood for Africa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so that people can understand the mm-hmm. story and everything. And again, the other thing that uh, is always overlooked is Francophone. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Francophone Africa. Well, Francophone and I believe is like. hard to crack for? <sighs>
0: But then why is Francophone hard to come? What do you guys That's think? That's
2: the thing, though. Uh, I think one of these days, mm-hmm. let's let's make it our goal to re- to reach out to uh, Rebecca Chong yep. and have her join this podcast, Absolutely. even if it's remotely. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like she she understands the, the Francophone mm-hmm. African yeah. market yeah. best. Yeah.
1: Um, so it, it would be good to, to really just get that um, I feel ideas from in her. In my opinion, I feel Francophone has a lot of legacy from um from france France. and that pretty much just stifles everything else i mean it's just my view from an outsider looking in Mm -hmm. uh, you could potentially try and build a very very nifty solution that solves a very simple problem um such as what um potentially an ambulance management system Mm -hmm. or an ambulance app but then the kind of um struggle that you'll have to go through uh, because potentially, I mean, is this a lot of like regulator bullshit in my opinion that mm-hmm. goes back from, but I don't know again, uh, that's just my guesstimation. I feel Francophone <laughs> is very difficult <laughs> to grow. We tried Francophone at Africa stocking, it was mm-hmm. actually a very difficult task, yeah. um, dealing with regulators, obviously language barrier doesn't help because you just have this cluster of small countries. Yeah. Majority of them are poor, other than potentially Cote d'Ivoire and small population, actually. very small populations as well. Yeah. Um, heavily illiterate um the Sahel region I mean it's like
0: structurally and linguistically isolated countries yeah Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so but again there's no block yeah there's no block a course (laughs) is still a thing so I mean when you think about it that way then it kind of makes sense for us to to not look down the same way potentially the whites used to come here and be like i'm going to africa and i'm gonna solve whatever <laughs> so maybe we have the same view um which which may not be accurate but mm, yeah again this
2: this is just our ignorant text uh, obviously we we would strive to get a few founders from the francophone region to just uh try and understand that market because at the end of the day it's uh, it's it's a growing market it's it's there's needs, there's challenges to be solved in those markets, uh, but I've found that most um, companies usually look at. So, if you in Kenya, you're you're probably going to look at uh, West, which is Nigeria. So, obviously, Af- in Kenya, it's pretty easy to do an East African um, setup from the from the get go, and then the next point of expansion is usually, uh, obviously, West Nigeria, uh, maybe Ghana, and then uh, maybe South later on, and Central. Um, obviously north africa is not in africa just so we're clear well well mena yeah, yeah they're mena uh, they're not they're not in sub saharan so most countries don't really focus on those regions from the get go and i feel like also francophone is always pushed to the you know like the last stages of implementation mm-hmm. um after you've really conquered the other markets but anyway uh, we'll that's see. just our
1: thoughts i mean Mediapal might conquer francophone who knows yeah. <laughs> Let's see i mean ali, ali you can potentially take us through the last topic guys we don't want to bore you we want to be fun um so we'll try and keep it a bit short and um the last topic that we want to discuss today is the global markets and um the crypto bull run and potentially um the door hitting all times high and why not discuss first with my main man, Elon Musk? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting for your ambassador, bro. I'll send man. you the link. Yeah, you know, man. Then,
2: it's, it's crazy Gosh. that it's, it's, it's only seven days in the year and so much has happened on the global I stage
1: that it, it, it feels like uh, a whole year already. I swear to God, before the end of this decade, mm-hmm. we're we going to see the world's first trillionaire. Chama. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. I feel Chama Chama is gonna do well for himself. He's mm-hmm. gonna be among the top ten richest people on earth. But you see what he's
2: doing. Yeah. He's, he's investing in you know climate change, change things. And, yeah, yeah. So but so
1: if, if 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 his estimation, he said the world's first trillionaire will be um, the person who figures out climate change. Yeah, I think Elon and is and onto he's something. A, he's a, no, but but you see like,
2: uh, yeah, Elon is onto something yeah. as well. But it's interesting anyway.
1: No. What do you think of on? yes. Do you like the guy? <laughs> Have you bought your Tesla yet? Oh, please. Have you bought <laughs> Tesla shares? <laughs> you cannot not own a Tesla and not not own Tesla shares.
0: I mean, something is happening on the ground. It's twenty to let's Just share Oh, mm-hmm. he's waiting for his son. Uh. Yeah, he's ah, waiting for his son. Uh. Okay. okay. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, native native products Yes. From yeah. scratch. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like what what I'd love what I'd love to understand. Um, you know. You know regard regarding both uh, both uh, Tesla and, and Bitcoin is what is what is driving you know the bullish of crypto
1: retail investors Let me, well I feel in- <laughs> I feel it's, it's it's a myriad of circumstances mm-hmm. uh, one is obviously people are feeling starting to feel very disenfranchised with governments across the world of course occasioned by the coronavirus it's been a movement that has been bubbling under for a bit but then you had like the most destruction a very significant wealth destruction with um what the u.s government did with the fed post crisis and everything else and mm. assisted but i feel now um the main reason why bitcoin and tesla is doing so well is for the first time uh retail investors are heavily 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 getting into markets and pretty much those are the problems that he says trying to solve honestly yeah. um and what what more would you expect um, other than that and retail investors for the first time, you know, let me tell you something and again guys This is not advice. Just my my thinking right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one is investing um, Was a career uh, guys would leave engineering school study rocket science at Princeton and go work on Wall Street at JP Morgan. So it became such a niche um, out of reach um, segment of uh, society and particularly around wealth creation, that a lot of people are left out. So, you'd go to a broker or you'd walk to a bank, and a bank would tell you, Oh, buy these mutual funds or buy this mix of ETFs and CDOs, things that you don't even understand,
0: right? So, you had a sp- specific set of puppet masters
1: absolutely and the infrastructure to do that was also not available it was either you had to use e-trade charles schwab um and and a bunch of other and i'm speaking this from a context of the u.s because what we saw in the u.s is now starting to cascade across the world yeah right so then the next thing that you had is those retail investors um, with th- more information and more tools available, started to read more and understand more, and had access to funding and had access to tools like um, like like Robinhood that allowed them to actively participate in markets. But they were just bored at home. They were bored at home during hours. the virus. And they, they didn't did know anything it, and else. They too. discovered
2: Robinhood or yeah. Etoro, and, and they, and could, what did they easily shares, could easily Tesla buy shares, easily buy stocks.
1: No need of a broker. No need of anything <laughs> else. The same way we are having a conversation, you decide to take up a position, I do, he does, and we do that. And so that has pretty much democratized the space and there's no going back to it. And retail investors, the other thing, that for the longest time, um markets were driven by fundamentals and fear. And technical, but, analysis. and technical analysis, Such which no one crazy understood, and, <laughs> and, and 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 like fundamentals, or you know, um, telling uh, Amazon that you need to focus on your margins, but like Amazon doesn't give a damn about margins. They want to own an entire industry. So, so those are the areas that uh, financial analysts focused on, and they were right, but. Our generation, millennials, and uh, the new class of retail investors don't care about that. What they want is a brand that they can relate to and they understand. So Tesla might have very, very weak fundamentals. They might not have delivered 500,000 cars um, in the last quarter as they expected. But no one cares. It's a brand. People see, relate, think about the future and see this is going somewhere. Same thing with Netflix. Same thing with... They don't think... They don't care about Boeing. They Mm. don't care about all those... they they see amazon the same way and in my opinion i feel the retail um and rather the investment landscape has shifted forever so you'll have high frequency traders um of course being the takers of the market and hitting these small guys but then um the beauty of it is finally we have a lot of retail investors getting into the market and um that sort of like barrier of entry towards wealth that VCs and PE funds and whoever else used to um sort of like do and hold as a cabal now it's no longer that now yeah. we are in for everyone for themselves and I and I can't wait to see what that means yeah, so to answer your question in a whole um, t- uh <laughs> <laughs> conversation <laughs> I think it's just relatability and it's become easy to invest yeah
2: I think it's also it's also interesting. Um, so maybe starting off with Elon. So the, the, uh, I think I saw something uh, by Sam Lesin. So Sam Lesin was one of the early Facebook um, uh, employees, and he now works, I think, with the information. So he said, um, for him, the reason why Elon Musk is the richest person in the world is because his companies are the commodification of hope on the for the distant future in a period that the present is messed up. so you see like meaning like you know with all that has happened in US with capital like the present is really so messed up that people want you know to look at the future with hope and you know if you look at Tesla with SpaceX he's he's giving us hope of you know living in Mars and all of that if you look at Tesla's what they're doing is they're envisioning a world where you know um, we don't have all these emissions and Uh, from diesel and uh, petrol cars so it's it's all electric so people are actually buying into that future of a good future that is being offered by these companies which is actually very very interesting and something that you touched on but coming back to um to why i I think tesla is just on 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 some crazy run you know Uh, it joined the snp in november and it was between november and end of the year it was the best performing stock (laughs) <laughs> having been there for for like a month or yeah. so and again it's already gained uh i think more than 40% already this year so it's it, it it's on a high and it's because people have actually just they're investing in the company they're investing and they can easily invest so it's it's as uh, eric mm-hmm. was saying all those barriers they were broken down so there's still guys who are analyzing and saying tesla's um earnings to uh to price ratio is is crazy and it's out of this world but for for the retail investor in South Korea they don't care. doesn't care I think I think South Korea has like one percent of the retail investors now on one percent of Tesla, Tesla? so I like mean, for those guys they, they really don't care about your your, your fundamentals EPS and your fundamentals. and all of that stuff they, they, they wake up and they see Tesla has gained 40 percent they're like yes I made money yes yeah. I'm going to buy more or I'm no. going to sell and and that's at the end of the day that's that's it because i think the stock market was a wealth creation mm-hmm. uh, avenue so it, it it's really interesting because all these guys who are investment banks and all of that they they really try to put very high levels of entry yeah. but then uh, covid and a lot of other things like that democratization really just brought it down to every man in the street yeah. and now every man can gain their their, their money with, um, with putting, uh, with investing in Tesla or the other company and, and everything. Because if you look, um, you don't really need technical al- analysis. So Moderna have, have announced a vaccine guys the stock is going to go up it's (laughs) It's, definitely it's it's it's, it's pretty no brainer you know it's it's a no-brainer you don't need an investment bank to to tell you that so um again this is not investment advice but we're just saying we are looking at those reasons that have really made it very very easy Uh, and it's interesting that as i mentioned hisa is working on now um doing that for the african market yeah because if you look at the african market uh we have exchanges um domiciled in their specific countries with all these restrictions and everything and I can't i d- I don't even know that c- the companies listed on the Nigerian stock exchange you mm. know I, I might want to invest yeah. uh, in the jo- Johannesburg stock mm. exchange, mm. Moroccan yeah. or uh, F- Rwandan or whatever. I might be interested in investing in those companies, but I really don't have a view yeah. so if we're able to build um sort of like a wealth tech, that allows Africans to actually now uh, invest in uh, their stock exchanges and different countries across uh, the continent. I, for me, I feel that would again be a game changer for uh, people who are growing up in these countries and they're like, yep, I use Safaricom every day. Um, I don't care about what an investment bank is saying. Um, I know that um, I'm, I'm subscribing, I'm using Safaricom fiber and my neighbor is and probably more people are going to safaricom is going to gain a million more subscribers this year mm. and you know what i buy yeah. uh or you know um let's say homeboys
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh you you've grown up listening to homeboys radio although it's not part of the brand uh and you have um homeboys events and all of that so it's a brand that you can actually relate to so if you're given that chance to invest you would invest yeah, because it, it's there's that real re- uh, relatability with the yeah, brand and yeah. with everything so i feel like uh, even for africa those wealth takes are really going to um to to, to take off and to democratize uh, finance or investing and wealth management as we know it mm. yeah
0: you know i mean once once we look at both you know tesla tesla and uh, and bitcoin and, and the the bullish trend both driven by um the relatability and the democratization marketplace the next logical question is so What's the next company that's gonna follow this trend? Because, in as much as it's speculative, it is likely to happen that um, we're going to have either a product that is relatable, popular, mm-hmm. either through a specific figure like Elon or the company itself, like Tesla. What do you think, Eric?
1: That's a very good, good and difficult question. <laughs> I, from the top of my mind, I can potentially pick five, six companies that I think. Uh, for me i i i would i would see them in the same light shoot sure. shopify would be the very mm-hmm. first company that i go with yeah. um I'm, i i'm
2: think surprised i surprised stripe is not at the top of your list um they're no, there no. to go public it Is Stripe. yeah stripe is there to go public mm-hmm. yeah okay. but
1: shopify will, i'll go with shopify first mm-hmm. um what 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 I mean, Amazon has done fundamentally well for small businesses owners, but what Shopify has done again is democratization of the tech, and just allowed small business owners and give them them giving them the tools to be able to do whatever the heck. Um, Stripe, like Erica stated, if they go public, of course they will go public. I think Stripe is going to be the next Google um, in terms of. Um, and when I say the next Google in terms of um utility, because mm. I mean search, we use search in every single um shape, form and manner. So I feel so that that tackles pretty much the small business um owners um angle in in, in in making that happen. So I would choose a company called Sophie, uh social finance. It went public mm. yesterday, yeah, yeah. back I by Chama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um Sophie is onto something, they'll build um, what Goldman Sachs plan to do? It, it, what's Goldman Sachs? It's called Maurice, or it's called Maurice. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, Goldman Sachs have this like consumer lending unit, um, and what they fundamentally wanted to do is what Social Finance has done. Sophie has done. Sophie is going to be the bank for millennials in the US, hundred percent, hundred percent, without a shadow of doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, Square. Square is public. Number four. that's number four. Oh, that's number four. Yeah. <laughs> Square is public. Um, I think. Um, Square has, because of um, the exposure to Bitcoin, and by allowing yeah. majority of American, both them and PayPal have done it. But I feel like Square has more relatability yeah. because I feel they will be able to not only allow um, they, will, they will democratize acceptability of crypto by merchants and small business owners across the U.S. Um, and potentially even lending they they are onto something i think jack dos is onto something yeah, um, the final company that i can put in that category um i would have put box in there but box sort of like went box box, box the cloud guys mm. uh yeah anyway, i'll put box in there but it's sort of like went flat mm-hmm. um so i will choose snowflake uh, for cloud mm-hmm. uh, purely based on the capability to develop like next level enterprise you're putting an enterprise tool there yeah okay interesting i, I don't have
2: any pics <laughs> <laughs> come on top but, of your mind no no no. I, I'm, I'm really excited to see um obviously the next uh the, there's a lot uh, going around uh, and uh, if you if, if you follow Charmath on 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 twitter you you see a lot of what he talks about especially in regards to um just social capital and how um it's, it's going to to breed the next level of, of of companies um and obviously just uh the other companies that i, I think he mentioned uh, like stripe and and square are really really interesting um enterprise will always be be there but again uh, my only problem with enterprise is um you can't beat the incumbents because as we saw the Slack versus uh, Microsoft Teams, you know, um, game, you know, Microsoft has the distribution and Slack is very innovative and um, they, you know, they were growing very fast, but on, all it took was for Microsoft to really just uh, sit down and uh, use their distribution well to actually get more numbers than, than Slack. So for, for enterprise, it's always, either going to be an an M&A, an, an acquisition uh, most of the time uh, because beating the incumbents it's, it's a tough it's a tough job again zoom and all uh, zoom versus google meets versus teams so you're very innovative you know everyone knows you from the start you are the verb that everyone is zooming but if you really come down to the numbers you see teams and
1: and google meet catching up very fast because they have the distribution and 100%. they already have that they, yep. they already have that sorry, can i chime in and i remember you just gave a very good example um because we remember what happened with slack and yeah, teams and teams um slack had it was slacking yeah it like is. but then what slack lacked is distribution mm-hmm. and in a a year you remember? They even initially, the CEO Scott Butterfield was very, very mm-hmm. uh, abrasive and like, "Oh no, we don't see Microsoft as competition." Yeah, it, because they, they were never—they were, never, they, they they were, were, were never not competition. competition. They were not competition. But then they built out a fantastic product, um, and they had one thing: freaking distribution. Mm-hmm. Putting in millions and millions of users um, yeah. over a few weeks, and that was that. And. Mm. Um, slack are to be bought by salesforce in my opinion i think they should have been bought by google though but
2: no, no. no i like what of is, is is doing because uh, again salesforce is, is is owning that space and winning it yeah. I, I don't think that enterprise kind of uh, tool communication anyone is beating salesforce yeah. no. plus with slack's acquisition that's that's a no-brainer yeah. but again just coming back to to what you said about square uh, and i think jack is uh, jack with crypto i think there he's he's really going to win it Absolutely. because in as much as you know the other papers uh, they're going to accept crypto eventually for him he's made it very clear that you know they don't have a problem with um with actually enabling merchants to 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 actually accept and and use crypto so for him it's 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 going to have that relatability and give him that already fast to market fast top of mind um uh, sort of recall for people who want to move money and everything because even cash up is is really popular
1: cash up is very popular
0: yeah Yeah, let's 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 circle back to back to crypto again Mm -hmm. if we've talked about you know um Mm -hmm. companies that are potentially will will follow tesla's trend how about on the crypto side what are some of the cryptocurrencies that you think will follow bitcoin's direction do you know there's 6109 cryptos
2: for sure. <laughs> oh, so uh, crypto so companies, maybe let me go first. Crypto,
1: just, uh, The coins themselves. The coins themselves.
2: Uh, oh let me go first. For me, I think I've I've, I've always loved Ethereum and what they've they've they are sort of building an ecosystem. So beyond just being a crypto, they are they're actually doing smart contracts, and you know people can actually build other applications around that. So um, I love what they are doing with that. Um, Ripple had a run, uh, okay. but then. I don't know what, what really happened, but again, at the end of the day, it's uh, Bitcoin is dragging the rest of the cryptos. So even if you look at how Ethereum is performing, so when Bitcoin has like a bullish run, obviously people are going to look at the next crypto, they're like, oh, I can buy Bitcoin. Ah, but what's the next crypto? This is Ethereum. So even without Ethereum doing anything, <laughs> it also gets a spike. So it's it's dragged along. Yeah. So I feel like uh, with the Bitcoin bullish run, it's always going to affect all these other um, smaller uh, ecosystems. But if, if there was uh, something like picking winners, which we shouldn't do, <laughs> uh, I, mean, it's a curious I, I conversation. think Ethereum, Ethereum is, is, is really interesting because for them, now it goes beyond just having uh, transfer money. It, it goes into actually now all the applications of blockchain into now an ecosystem, smart contracts um, and all of that. So it's, it's pretty interesting.
1: I would choose Ether as well. I think um, they want to something. I, I still have hope in Ripple. I think um, they Ripple was potentially you know you know the, the rest of the coins are I mean the rest of the currencies are looked on um, upon as oh anarchist and yeah. all Ripple seemed to have a bit of governance. Yeah, yeah, and they I did. think they still do have that that, yeah. that governance. So I would say Ripple, Ether and Ripple um in terms of exchanges I think Coinbase will still win yeah, it oh we're hoping Coinbase is going
2: is going is ipo this year yep they are oh, going to IPO this year that's going to be crazy so that,
1: that's going to be a good one as well yes, to get in yes, on the action good. yeah that's very very good um so I'll choose Coinbase will it be the first? Binance it'll be the first one mm. uh we'll Binance Labs is well. yeah yeah Binance, Binance is good yeah. yeah
2: and the thing is there's there's now lots of more uh crypto exchanges yeah. uh and if And complexity is also growing. Yeah, if Coinbase IPO goes really well, then uh, people are actually going to now start looking at the whole ecosystem now more keenly and that, you know, what's the next winner? Uh, What is the next company to IPO? Mm. Where are we putting our money next? But it's it's, it's, it's going to be interesting, uh, especially Coinbase. Yeah. I think
1: yeah. I the one company that I was very very proud about was um other Hayes and Bitmex, but mm-hmm. uh, obviously we remember what happened with yeah. the anti money laundering bullshit. Um. A black man tries to make a bit of money in the world <laughs> the authorities will be behind you yeah but anyway <laughs> they did yeah. well i mean they, they they pretty much structured um uh, crypto futures and built a fantastic billion dollar business okay um they just hired the former ceo of um the second largest the stuttgart stock exchange um so i feel um if they, they potentially could ipo as well um mm. then interesting yeah okay
2: I think we, we close it for today yeah we, no, we, we don't want to go for three hours no we could I, potentially in, in <laughs> <laughs> This is not anyway guys uh interesting so i think there's more coming uh so this year we, we we are definitely going to do more such discussions um it was crazy that last year we did 90 podcasts over 90 podcasts so uh, yeah on kenyan also so i'm hoping this year we can do like 200 (laughs) (laughs) why not (laughs) yeah so uh, and again we we are planning to do lots of um, startup founder stories Uh, we are planning to do education on personal finance Uh, obviously we are going to do we are going to review these markets um, both global local Uh, we are going to talk about investments savings so there is quite a lot planned for the year so um,
1: yeah
2: I'm excited
1: Uh, me too i think um first it's just an opportunity to channel all this creative energy that um all three of us have um being uh people actively read i think um and just potentially understand a lot of uh these interesting nuances so for us it's just uh trying to see how we can be able to channel that energy into something constructive so um it'll be a nice ride with you no doubt no doubt Nothing much to say. Thank you for joining us today.
0: There is way, 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 way more structured podcasts in the rest of our site, so <laughs> be sure to check this out. <laughs> what are you saying? What are you to say? <laughs> anyway, guys. What I'm trying to say is, um, whoever you are, I am sure we have something for you and should definitely explore our our podcast website after listening to this and was
2: waiting for more episodes yeah so this is the sponsor segment <laughs> <laughs> I, we had to do it last so uh obviously there's good work that we do at kenyan wall street so check us out um we also have a new app called hisa uh, so look it up on both play store and and google and yes uh in case we've made any errors in case you want to fight uh, you know find us on twitter <laughs> <laughs> my that's handle is at jayrik that's j-a-y-r-i-q
1: uh, my handle is coin stocks at coin, S-T-O-K-E-S.
0: Hold on, I'm trying to find my
1: handle. <laughs> <laughs> my handle is at muaka neno,
0: muaka underscore neno. Cool, guys. See you right. next week.
1: Cheers. Um, happy winning. All right, that's it. That's it.